Digital Gonzo, episode 61, dated Thursday the 15th of March 2012, The History of Hogwarts. What you are about to hear is an accompaniment to the Harry Potter movie reviews. It is an audio timeline of the significant events of Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, as detailed in the Harry Potter book series. For timing purposes, most of this was only lightly referenced in the films, so this may help clarify a great deal of historical detail for all but the most die-hard of Potter fans, who will already know it. It is mostly narrated by myself, but there are some discussions with the guests of the eighth and final podcast from this series, namely Leah Haydu of Game Adult Rerolled, Sharon Shaw of Gonzo Planet, James Carter of Kane and Rince, Daniel Floyd of Extra Credits, and Jake Del Toro of Last Save Loaded. That final show will be up in a few days' time. The original recording session lasted over five hours, and this section was too important to the overall story to lose, but not important enough to the Deathly Hallows films to bump up the running time by 40 minutes. So sit back and prepare for the end of this wonderful series by brushing up on the history of Hogwarts. Okay, the first section is called The First Nine Centuries of Hogwarts. The year 987, Hogwarts is founded by Godric, Gryffindor, Rowena, Ravenclaw, Helga Hufflepuff, and Salazar Slytherin. Slytherin builds the Chamber of Secrets after his idea that only pure-blood wizards should be allowed into Hogwarts is dismissed. He then leaves in a huff. 1214, Ignotus Peveril is born. His descendants would inherit his powerful invisibility cloak and soon enough segue into the Potter family bloodline. His older brother Cadmus would pass down his resurrection stone and his descendants became the Gaunt bloodline. Their older brother Antioch would pass down Buggerall since the Elder Wand was fated to be won back and forth through mostly fatal dueling and treachery. Dumbledore said in the film and book, it's entirely debatable whether the fable of the three brothers is true or not. It's just supposed that the brothers were particularly powerful wizards and were able to create the Hallows themselves. The years 1300 to 1750, a general paranoia of magical folk breaks out in the Muggle world. Many Muggles are wrongfully accused of being magical and burned at the stake. Wizards, by and large, get off and escape by the use of magic, as we discussed last week. 1326, Nicholas Flamel is born. He then goes on to create the Philosopher's Stone and grow on to a, a ridiculously ripe old age. 1492, Nicholas de Mimsey Porpington is mostly beheaded on October the 31st. 1600, St. Mungo's Hospital for Magical Maladies is formed. 1612, the Goblin Rebellion. Apparently the inn at Hogsmeade serves as a headquarters. Uh, 1692, the Statute of Secrecy. I'm not going to go too deep into this, but I believe that's... It's when the wizarding world decided that they were going to completely go underground and that the muggles wouldn't know anything about them, and we have been ignorant ever since. Uh, 1700, the Ministry of Magic is formed. 1881, Albus Dumbledore is born. 1891, Albus's sister Ariana, at the age of six, is attacked by curious muggle boys in her garden while she is seen doing magic. She is traumatised by the event and her magical abilities become unpredictable and explosive. Their father, Percival, attacks the Muggle boys and is sent to Azkaban where he later dies. Their Muggle mother, Kendra, Dumbledore, moves the family to Godric's Hollow. Kendra looks after Ariana and hides her from the world to prevent her being sent to St. Mungo's. 1899, at the age of 14, Ariana accidentally kills her mother in the midst of a magical seizure. Albus Dumbledore, who has just graduated from Hogwarts as a prize student, is forced to put his plans for world travel to rest and go home to be the head of the family, insisting that his youngest brother, Aberforth, 
complete his schooling. That summer he meets Gellert Grindelwald, great nephew of his neighbour, Bathilda Bagshot. Albus and Gellert share a strong, possibly romantic relationship and hatch plans to acquire the Deathly Hallows and subjugate the Muggle world. When a fight breaks out between Aberforth, Grindelwald and Albus, Ariana intervenes and is killed. At some point shortly after this, Gellert steals the Elder One from the Bulgarian one-maker Grigorovich, which we see in the film. Part 2, The Rise of the Dark Lord 1907, Tom Riddle Jr.'s mother, Merope Gaunt, is born. 1925, Minerva McGonagall is born. In December, Merope's father and brother are dragged off to Azkaban for public misuse of magic and threatening a ministry official. Merope, now free from their tormenting influence, plies a rich young man named Tom Riddle, with whom she's become infatuated, with love potions. Tom and Merope run away together and are married. Now, here's an interesting thing, and I did not know this until I did a lot of extra reading. Joe has actually come out and said that the reason Tom Riddle Jr. cannot love on a spiritual, biological level is that he was conceived in the midst of a love potions effect. Hmm, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that before. It's very interesting. The idea being that he never had a chance. He actually physically couldn't love. It's not just yeah. his upbringing. He actually couldn't. He's a cursed child. It actually makes him really kind of tragic. It's astonishing that you could go to Hogwarts and come out being that embittered, but poor Draco manages it as well. So that adds a whole other aspect to his character, this notion that he was always doomed to feel this, or not feel this. Also an interesting uh, little bit of insight into how she clearly feels about the whole nature versus nurture argument. Yeah. It is sort of shown later on in the book and the film in the epilogue that Draco is capable of love because he's shown with his wife and children isn't yeah. it yeah that's film nine and three quarters yeah and, and Draco does redeem himself in several ways and mm-hmm. uh, I mean ultimately pretty much everyone is capable of redemption which I just finished Hallows the other day the notion that Tom can undo his Horcrux situation by repenting by regretting if he shows remorse yeah that's mentioned remorse, a few yeah. times by Harry and Dumbledore They never mention it in the films at all, but it is something that Tom could undo were he able to show remorse. I don't know if remorse is is twinned with love, but ultimately it comes down to being responsible. It's an emotion of empathy. If if you have remorse for something that you've done, then you are showing some understanding of the impact it's had on other people. Sorry, there's there's a part in um, the chapter in the book, The Prince's Tale, where Dumbledore explains to Snape that when Snape kills Dumbledore, it's only he who will know whether it's done through love or hatred, and that will sort of decide whether his soul's split. Yeah, because Snape protests that he's being asked to commit this crime, and Dumbledore basically suggests to him that as long as he is remorseful of it, he will not pay the price for that. Yeah. That's basically how it's said, isn't it? I didn't That's interpret it, it that way, actually. Oh, OK. Uh, it, it's, it seemed to me that it was more that he's saying basically you're doing me a favour, I'm going to die anyway, 
Mm. Um, it could be horrible, and if somebody else does it, then it could be done with pain, it could be done with humiliation. If you do it, you will do it quickly, and you will be doing uh, an act of... Kindness. As far as to, yeah, yeah, kindness, yeah, thank you. I was going to say, I wouldn't go as far as to say an act of good, but yeah, an act of kindness. Yeah. Which is well, Joe's rather political take on assisted suicide. Yes, yeah, it's euthanasia, isn't it, exactly? And, and that comes back to her own, her, her own personal situation. Mm. Uh, with oh her mother. God, yeah. Yeah. In 1926, Merope Gaunt, now pregnant with Tom Riddle Sr.'s child, is abandoned by him. It is possible that this was because she stopped giving him love potions. By the end of the year, she has sold a stolen family heirloom, Salazar Slytherin's locket, for a mere ten galleons to Borgen and Burks of Nocturne Alley. Pitching up at Wall's Orphanage, heavily pregnant and in a state of despairing helplessness, she gives birth to Tom on New Year's Eve and dies shortly after, naming him. Tom is raised in the orphanage. This is possibly one of the first uh, points where the, the storyline converges between the book and the film. I'm going on the book timeline here for the film. Just add an extra ten years to everything. In 1938, Albus Dumbledore visits Tom at the orphanage and, and invites him to attend Hogwarts. He does so, and in the next few years finds out about the Chamber of Secrets and charms the spectral form of Rowena Ravenclaw's daughter into telling him the location of her mother's lost diadem inside a hollow tree in a forest in Albania. 1943. Late in the sixth year at Hogwarts, Tom discovers the location of the chamber and unleashes the basilisk in May. The creature kills Moaning Myrtle in the bathroom with its gaze. Tom frames a third year named Hagrid and his secret acromantula. In July, Tom visits his uncle Morfin and the manor house of his father, Tom Riddle Sr. There and then, he kills his father and both of his paternal grandparents, framing Morfin for the crime and taking the Gaunt family ring. In September, now in his seventh year, Tom questions Horace Slughorn about the concept of Horcruxes, specifically about the notion of creating more than one. Then, using the death of Myrtle and the murders of his family that he committed over the summer, he creates the diary and the ring Horcruxes. This was a bit that confused me a little bit, because I was, I was a little bit kind of, hang on, that was in the sixth year, that was in the seventh year, but it actually only took place over a matter of months, and the murder does not have to be committed immediately before the creation of the Horcrux. There are there clues that uh, he's already committed the murders of his parents in Half-Blood Prince, the film, because he's wearing the ring in the uh, scene where he questions Slughorn. In 1945, Dumbledore confronts Grindelwald, who has been rising to power as a Dark Lord himself throughout the 1940s. It is feasible that Albus took this long to face his old friend, because he was afraid that Gellert may have known who truly killed Ariana. It is not certain whether he found out. In dueling him to defeat, Albus also acquired the Elder Wand. Tom then graduates from Hogwarts. Prior to this, he applies for a position as teacher of Defence Against the Dark Arts. Headmaster Armando Dippet turns him down on the grounds that he is too young, not too psychotic. Tom gets a job at Borgen and Burks. 1947. Through his job, Tom meets a wealthy witch named Hepzibah Smith. She reveals to him Salazar Slytherin's locket that she had bought from Borgen and Burks for a princely sum. So I think they bought it for ten galleons and sold it for many hundreds of galleons. She also shows him the cup of Helga Hufflepuff. Soon afterwards, Tom kills her and frames the house elf, Hokey. Are you seeing a, a pattern here? <laughs> like, I didn't do it, it was the elf. I didn't do it, it was the crazy guy with the hair all over him. I didn't do it, it was Hagrid. <laughs> He's a liar. And his giant spider. It's, it's, it allows him to, to get away with, with, you, you, with murders. You would think that eventually somebody would go, man, he, he just has the worst luck. He's always around these murderers. 
But uh, it would appear that the auras or the, and the detectives of the Wizarding World are rubbish. <laughs> Especially if you look at the, all of the events in Chamber of Secrets. Not one aura steps into that castle. It's mental. I was just going to quickly say, I think the, the clever thing that he does is he recognises very early on that in the orphanage he was held accountable because he was there. In many of the other cases, people don't actually know he's there. In When he turns Hagrid in, he is the one who turns Hagrid in. That should raise suspicion. But in the case of Hepzibah Smith, the police would never really have, or the Aurors rather, would never really have any need to go and look for him because he yeah. gave them an easy suspect. And, and so Rick Morfin, who'd been wanting to commit yeah. the uh, crime anyway, he, yeah. he, all he had to do was just rejig his mind a little so bit. So he didn't even have to be there to be remotely on, on the Aurors or the police's radar, depending upon who was investigating. In every case, from then on, he made sure that there was a patsy there to get blame yeah. from moment one, and his name would never be brought into it, which is a quite a clever but simple manipulation. And who's going to believe the testimony of a befuddled old house elf who might have accidentally poisoned her mistress's yeah. teeth? Well, I think it was Coco, actually. Especially when wizards are predisposed to to look down on creatures who are not yeah. who are lesser than wizards, anyway. And a own. crazy old pure blood fanatic wizard, hobo man, uh, <laughs> who has already been sent to Azkaban for violent crimes and has expressed his hatred for this gentleman already. So, yeah, it's in the bag. Tom uses Smith's murder to turn the cup into a third Horcrux and the murder of a Muggle tramp to make the locket a fourth. At some point in the next few years, Tom journeys back to the Gaunt House and hides the Horcrux ring under the floorboards. 1957, Tom, now aged 30, applies for the role of Defence Against the Dark Arts teacher a second time. The headmaster is now Albus Dumbledore, and he refuses on the grounds that Tom, contrary to his statements, doesn't really want to teach. Whilst at Hogwarts, Tom drops Rowena Ravenclaw's diadem, made into a fifth Horcrux on its discovery via the murder of an Albanian peasant, off in the Room of Hidden Things, which is what the Room of Requirement turns into when you want to hide something. It is very likely that this was his genuine reason for being at Hogwarts, and the teaching request was a cover story. For good measure, Tom curses the role of Defence Against the Dark Arts so that no teacher will last more than a year in the position. This apparently lasted for 40 years and just as many teachers, notably Quirrell, Lockhart, Lupin, Crouch, Umbridge, Snape and Carrow. Three, the First Wizarding War. 1959, James Potter, Lily Evans, Severus Snape, Sirius Black, Peter Pettigrew, and Remus Lupin are all born. Some of them might have been a little bit older or younger, but it's about that time. 1969, Severus Snape befriends and secretly falls in love with Lily Evans, to the disgust of her prudish sister Petunia, who is both disapproving and jealous of their magical abilities. When the Evans family find out about Hogwarts, Petunia writes a letter to Dumbledore pleading for a place at the school. She is gently turned down. I think I mentioned uh, in the fifth show that um, Petunia mentions that she knows what Dementors are. I didn't know the circumstances of it. She actually says um, that she heard about Dementors when Lily and that awful boy were talking about them. And everyone, especially Harry, just assumes that she's talking about James. 
That is such a brilliant little bit of hidden stuff. 1970, Tom rises to power as Lord Voldemort and brings about the opening of the first Wizarding War. By the way, it's Voldemort everywhere outside of the films. I don't know why. And Voldemort sounds so much scarier because otherwise it's like Voldemort. It's it's Voldemort because, yeah, it's French, exactly as you put the accent on. That's where the word comes from. But yeah, you're right. Voldemort just seems to be what everyone calls him, you know. Voldemort. That makes it more Latin, doesn't it? Which fits in with the, the Latinization of the um, spell names. Yes, yeah, that's true. But even Joe refers to him as Voldemort, which is... It's odd that that, that at no point in the filming would she, would she sort of step in and go, hang on, it's Voldemort. You're saying it wrong. All of you are. But that slipped through and has become a thing now. So if you actually talk about Voldemort uh, with people who are not book fans, they'll go, Voldemort. In 1970, Tom is 43 and commands a small army of loyal followers known as the Death Eaters. This first year was one of strange disappearances. 1971, James, Lily, Severus, Sirius, Peter and Remus all begin their first year at Hogwarts. 1974, Sirius Black runs away from home and takes shelter with the family of his friend, James Potter. Sirius, James and Peter also finally learn the complex spells required to become Animagi to accompany their unfortunate friend, Remus, who has been afflicted by lycanthropy since he was a child. 1975. In their fifth year, James, Sirius, Lupin and Peter have dubbed themselves the Marauders and after exploring the castle extensively create their incredibly useful map. In the summer, James Potter publicly humiliates Severus Snape for the amusement of Sirius Lily is indignant, but chastises Snape for hanging out with Death Eater sympathisers. Severus lashes out at Lily, calling her a mudblood, much to Snape's eternal regret. Later that year, Sirius tricks Snape into trying to sneak into the Shrieking Shack whilst Lupin is transformed. James stops him, thus saving his life, much to Snape's eternal regret. 1977, the Marauders graduate from Hogwarts and join the Order of the Phoenix. 1978, James and Lily get married. From the sounds of it, James's parents may have died in his last two years, or maybe just afterwards, but either way, he went through changes which made him into a different person and a lot less of a complete arse. 1979, Peter Pettigrew begins passing information to Lord Voldemort. Death Eater, Regulus Black, finds out about the locket Horcrux in the cave and, filled with regret at his actions, switches it out for a Black family heirloom locket. He dies shortly afterwards. 1980, Sybil Trelawney, in an interview for the post of divination teacher at Hogwarts with Albus Dumbledore, makes a prophecy about a child born at the end of July who will eventually defeat the Dark Lord. Snape overhears the prophecy and is discovered. He passes the information on to Voldemort. The prophecy points to two boys born at the end of July, only one day apart, Harry Potter and Neville Longbottom. Voldemort later chooses to pursue Harry because he believes the common factor of the muggle blood running in both their family lines to be a vital pointer. 1981, Snape applies for the role of potions teacher. He has been a Death Eater for years and Voldemort instructed him to take the position so as to have a trusted man inside the school. For these obvious reasons, Dumbledore refuses. Voldemort decides to seek out and murder the infant Harry Potter. Snape begs him to spare Lily's life. Voldemort agrees. Snape informs Dumbledore of Voldemort's plan, not trusting the Dark Lord's word. He pledges himself as a double agent loyal to the Order of the Phoenix and asks Dumbledore to hide the Potter family. Measures are already in place to keep them hidden. Dumbledore had offered to be their secret keeper and this would have made them nearly impossible to find. 
The Potters decide on Sirius, but Sirius suggests that he would be the obvious target, and that they should, by means of misdirection, give their secret to Peter. Peter, who was by now a fully trusted Death Eater, passed the information on to Voldemort, betraying his friends. On October the 31st, Voldemort comes to Godric's Hollow and breaks into the Potter's home. He easily kills James Potter, who attempts to defend his wife and child. At Harry's bedroom door, Lily stands between the Dark Lord and Harry and pleads that he take her life in Harry's stead. True to his word to Snape, Voldemort did not kill her at first, ordering her to stand aside. She refuses, and he kills her in the same manner as James with the Nevada Cadavera. At this point, Lily has apparently unknowingly sealed a bond of ancient magic that protects her son from direct harm from Voldemort alone with her own sacrifice. The Dark Lord casts his Avada Kedavra curse on the infant Harry and it immediately rebounds from the shielded child, striking Voldemort and reducing him to a wraith-like form closer to death than he has ever been. A piece of his soul breaks off due to the killing of James and Lily Potter and attaches itself to Harry, making the child an unknown sixth Horcrux. Harry is imbued with the exceptionally rare abilities of a parcel mouth which Tom was possessed of. He is also subject to a psychic connection which endures and gathers in strength for the next 17 years until the closing events of the Deathly Hallows. Pettigrew visits Godric's Hollow later that evening and retrieves the Dark Lord's wand, fearing that its inspection will reveal his betrayal. He later hides it for nearly 14 years. Severus Snape journeys to Godric's Hollow and discovers James and Lily dead in the film. It's never mentioned in the book. It's never mentioned that it didn't happen in the book, but that is an addition of the film, and I love it. On November the 1st, the magical world is united in celebration that the Dark Lord has been defeated, marking the end of the First Wizarding War. Vernon Dursley goes to work and is perturbed by the queer behaviour of the colourfully dressed people he meets. Sirius Black meets with Hagrid and lends him his motorbike. Black, either on that day or shortly afterwards, tracks down Peter, realising his betrayal, and Peter uses a blasting curse to put an immense crater in the street behind him, simultaneously killing twelve muggles, cutting off his own finger, and transforming into a rat to escape. Black is left broken and hysterical, dragged away to Azkaban as a traitor, and blamed for Peter's crimes. On the evening of the 1st of November, Hagrid drops off the baby Harry to his aunt and uncle's house on Sirius Black's motorbike. Dumbledore and McGonagall are there to make the handoff, and Dumbledore leaves a letter instructing the Dursleys to take care of Harry until he comes of age. Due to the nature of the protective magic Harry is now under, he needs to be in the house of somebody who shares a common bloodline with his mother to remain safe from Voldemort, should the Dark Lord return. Since Petunia was the only candidate, that factor determined Harry Potter's guardians. At this time, Dumbledore is already in possession of James Potter's invisibility cloak, having borrowed it to ascertain whether it was in fact one of the Deathly Hallows. Peter, in his rat form, comes across Percy Weasley, who takes ownership of him and names him Scabbers. In November, Bellatrix and Rodolphus Lestrange use the Cruciatus Curse on Frank and Alice Longbottom in an attempt to ascertain the Dark Lord's whereabouts. The Longbottoms are driven insane by the ordeal and consigned to St. Mungo's. The Lestranges are sent to Azkaban along with Barty Crouch Jr. 1990, Professor Quirrell, in a year off from teaching Defence Against the Dark Arts, he, he had a year on, then he took a year off, then a year on, so it still appeases the curse is travelling in Albania. He meets Voldemort in a forest. The Dark Lord has had to possess the bodies of animals to maintain physical form for nine years. Voldemort brings the weakling Quirrell under his thrall, but does not possess him yet.
Part 4, The Second Wizarding War. 1991. Harry Potter is invited to attend Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry at the age of 11. Quirrell attempts to steal the Philosopher's Stone, actually technically it's the age of 10. It's, he turns 11 straight afterwards. Quirrell attempts to steal the Philosopher's Stone from Gringotts. He fails and returns to his master, who is displeased and possesses him, and has to be hidden under a purple turban. This makes Quirrell a de facto temporary Horcrux. Percy gives Pettigrew in his scabbers form to Ron. On September the 1st, Harry journeys on the Hogwarts Express and meets Ron Weasley, Hermione Granger, Draco Malfoy, and Level Longbottom, also Molly, Fred, George, Percy, and Ginny Weasley at the station. See, everything up to this point is stuff that's not in the movies. From now on, I'm going to try and hop, skip, and jump through all the stuff you know, but I've kind of tried to focus on the stuff which went on behind the scenes that we didn't really see. At Christmas, Harry receives his father's invisibility cloak, anonymously delivered by Dumbledore. This is the first year that Snape met Harry since the night at Godric's Hollow, and he pledges to Dumbledore that he will watch over the boy and see that he comes to no harm out of devotion to the long-dead love of his life, Lily Potter. He is, of course, conflicted due to similarities Harry has with James Potter, the hated boy she chose to be with instead. 1992, when Harry prevents Quirrell from obtaining the Philosopher's Stone, the possessed wizard grabs him and burns at his touch. The magic shielding Harry is still very much in effect, and the twice-defeated Tom retreats once again in ethereal form to Albania. In August, when Harry and the Weasleys meet Lucius Malfoy at Flourish and Blots of Diagon Alley, Lucius sneaks Riddle's diary into Ginny's books in the hope that the Chamber of Secrets will reopen, weakening Hogwarts. Malfoy is unaware of the diary's true nature. That's important. It never really comes across in the films, but he did not know what that thing was. Certainly not that it was a Horcrux, or even what a Horcrux might have been. 1993, when Harry destroys the diary of Tom Riddle and thus the first Horcrux, he prevents Tom from returning in a more powerful form and also severs one of his seven ties to life, the other five being the locket, the ring, the diadem, the cup, Harry himself, and Tom's own ravaged form in Albania. 1994, in June, Pettigrew is revealed and escapes to Albania to find the Dark Lord. On finding him, the two kill Bertha Jorkins, a ministry official on holiday, and Voldemort uses the death to create a seventh, or in his eyes, sixth, Horcrux to replace the diary. The snake. Since 1991, he has attained a wretched, withered body like that of a deformed child. In August, he and Pettigrew take up residence in the Riddle Mansion in Little Hangleton, the very place where Tom had killed his own father and grandparents 51 years previously, in 1943. Voldemort kills the groundskeeper, Frank Bryce. Is there any explanation as to why Voldemort goes from being an ethereal, cloud-like wraith thing to being a weird fetus thing? Because Wormtail is instructed to give him a... Voldemort refers to it as Wormtail's mediocre magic was enough to give him a frail form. Right. 1995, when Tom uses droplets of Harry's blood in a ceremony that will bring him back to full physical form whilst attempting to nullify the old magic Lily Potter invoked, he unknowingly double-binds them together. This means Tom can now make contact with Harry's skin, but that the connection between them has grown even stronger. Cedric Diggory is killed by Peter just prior to the ceremony. This moment marks the beginning of the Second Wizarding War. 1996, Sirius Black dies at the Ministry of Magic, rescuing Harry and the rest of Dumbledore's army. Shortly after this, Albus Dumbledore journeys to the Gaunt House, looking for clues to Voldemort's grand plan, after viewing memories connected to it in his poncive. He finds the Gaunt family ring and immediately recognises the symbol of the Deathly Hallows on the Resurrection Stone. In a hasty and impulsive attempt to bring his departed sister, mother and father back from the dead and make amends, seeking absolution, he puts on the ring, which immediately curses him fatally. With immense strength of will, he apparates back to Hogwarts and finds Snape, who helps him control the curse, though it is only delayed. 
With less than a year to live, Dumbledore gets wind of a scheme to assassinate him and ascertains that it will be Draco Malfoy that is the weapon used. Dumbledore decides that Tom is deliberately sending the son of his now prison-bound Death Eater, Lucius Malfoy, on a suicide mission as punishment for his father's failure. Surmising that Snape will have his loyalty to the Dark Lord truly tested and be asked to aid Draco and indeed carry out the grim task should he fail, Dumbledore convinces Snape to kill him at the appropriate time. 1997, Albus Dumbledore and Harry find out about Tom's Horcruxes. Dumbledore then destroys the ring Horcrux, separating the Resurrection Stone and concealing it within the Golden Snitch left to Harry in his will. This leaves the locket, the cup, the diadem and the snake. Harry and Dumbledore acquire the fake locket from the cave, further weakening Dumbledore in the process and bringing him closer to the point of death. That night, Draco disarms Dumbledore of his Elder Wand and Snape carries out the prearranged mercy killing. Albus does not resist and Snape does not defeat him. Mastery of the Elder One passes unknown to Draco. That seems like a pretty big loophole in the transfer of the Elder One's powers yeah. because if you have to kill the previous owner, then you know that's that's a pretty big deal. If all you have to do is disarm them, then Voldemort didn't have to kill Snape. He could have just disarmed him. He could have even done it with Snape being willing if that's if that was what it takes. That would basically allow for free transfer of the wand yeah. between yeah people who were consenting to do it okay disarm me I won't fight back if they're, if they're willing to uh, accept that though it wouldn't pass because they're not truly I was going to say either. yeah, they, yeah. The, the point is I think that you have to it has to be removed from their possession against their will mm. so either they're dead in which case they can't contest it or you've disarmed them therefore you've as in disarmed them literally with Expelliarmus you've removed their yeah. wand from them also it's made blindingly obvious that Voldemort doesn't know half as much as what he claims He's, yeah. he doesn't understand wand law he has to kidnap uh, a, the, what, the greatest wand master in England for a year and a half and even then he doesn't get wand law out of it I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that he's relied so much on what he was fed by Slytherin's statue mm. um, for his information he hasn't Dumbledore Again, says something. That the statue even said anything to him. But the, but the point being that there's there's um, Dumbledore makes a specific comment that um, Tom doesn't bother to find out about things that he doesn't value. Yeah. So all the information that Slytherin would have known that he found out in the Chamber of Secrets that he dug out of the restricted section of the library that's what he would attach importance to anything that the other three houses at Hogwarts could have taught him he wouldn't value it so he would disregard it any other knowledge or, or learning and I, I think that's why when Harry keeps coming back to this thing about um, Dumbledore being a far greater wizard than Voldemort it's not just about power it's about the balance of his knowledge and understanding Dumbledore really does seem to draw on all four corners of the world of information if you see what I mean whereas Tom is very specifically right this is what I want to know about I, I just want the strongest thing the quickest thing uh, the, the death beater he I mean, would, given he the choice, never knew not, about the Hallows, for example. He would disregard the Resurrection Stone and the Invisibility Club. He Absolutely. wouldn't need to make himself invisible. He wouldn't care. And he wouldn't... Like he'd want to bring back the dead. He's petrified of the dead. Well, they mention that at some point. I know in the book, at least, and mm. I, I thought in the film as well, the, uh, the Elder One was the only one that he had any interest in, that he had or would uh, actively disregard the other two. Mm. See him as being weak and useless. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Voldemort is incredibly naive uh, in many, many ways throughout the, the books. And when it comes to the, the Elder One specifically, 
he see he he literally says at some point, and, and Dumbledore accuses him of this, that he sees no worse fate than death. Yeah. So for him, death is what he wants to avoid, but he also wants to to deal it out to other people because yeah, that is him exerting power. He is doing the worst he can possibly do to them. Yeah. And so with the the wand, even if he suspected or thought he could just disarm Snape, he wouldn't take that option. He would want to be absolutely sure, and he would think that the the way he had to demonstrate his power to the wand and win its allegiance was to kill. So he wouldn't in any way, shape, or form consider disarming someone when he knew that killing would be the the correct answer because that's absolutely. to him. Yeah, what and is he the, the way. He demonstrates that when he talks about um, how stupid Lily was as well, that he gave her the opportunity to step away, mm. um, and and she, you know, disregarded that. But he, what he doesn't grasp is that to kill her is not the worst thing he could do to her by a long chalk. To let her live and kill her child would be the worst thing he could have done to her, and that's what she, you know, doesn't allow him to do. Just to uh, go back to a point that Sharon was making about. Voldemort not not taking in information that he doesn't see irrelevant. It's sort of proved by the fact that he doesn't recognise that Harry is a as a Horcrux after yeah. after the, mm. the first time he about a cadaver's in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he spends the whole time going, Oh, there's something about you, I don't understand this old magic, I don't know, but I shall destroy you. That's it. It's if he'd done his research on it properly, he'd surely he'd understand that that uh, what exactly what he did at Godric's Hollow would have created a Horcrux within Harry, and he would have been able to deal with it. But in his arrogance, he he didn't see that as relevant, so he, mm. he didn't take it in. What do you think he would have done if he had actually been? If Harry had said, "Dude, I'm a Horcrux, totally a Horcrux," what could he have done? Just keep him captive. Yeah, that's what he'd have done. He wouldn't have bothered killing him. He just he'd keep him. He perhaps just cruise. Like yeah, like Nagini yeah. in a box. Yeah. In a, bu- a in a bubble. Yeah. A pet, yeah. He'd perhaps keep him under the Imperius curse. Yeah. Mm. Although I don't know because he knows if he puts stock in the prophecy and therefore he sees Harry as the only one who could destroy him and therefore I think he would feel bound to kill Harry because yeah that would ensure destroy, his own, even if he had he'd to consider it a mistake and and then maybe make another one. He does demonstrate actually that he's got no qualms about going and making another Horcrux when one's been destroyed. Yeah. I find it funny that Voldemort's biggest weakness is that he doesn't have his own Hermione, basically. Yes. Yes. He doesn't have anyone to say, Tom, you're being stupid. Stop it. That's because he only ever hung out with Slytherins. Yeah. There's got to have been smart Slytherins, but they just... But they would all have... The the thing with the Slytherins is that they... Something that struck me about the way they seem to operate and and what seems to be the key part of their character um, is that most of them, something has come very very easily to them they haven't had to work for it in a lot of their cases it's money or or position um or something like that in snape's case it was ability his his magical ability seemed to be a lot more well developed than the the whole potions thing and how how good he was at that very naturally um but been deprived of something else which is very very important and they've never quite made up the compensation they all seem to exhibit traits that suggest that their parents haven't really given them much in the way of self-esteem and they all show certain weaknesses of character that go with that 
maybe that's got something to do with it that somebody of charisma and to the, in their eyes genuine power steps up and says you know I'm in charge now and they all go oh okay then but I think at a point certainly later on uh, by the time Voldemort's become powerful everyone's too scared to point out to him that he's been a bit of an idiot in very much the same way as as people around Hitler probably should have pointed out to him that mm. what he was doing was hypocritical or stupid, but no one would because well, we've seen what happens when he gets angry. Yeah, Vold, well, over and over so again. It's, it's fear to a certain extent, absolutely fear for their own safety, but but also Voldemort becoming more powerful makes the people around him feel more powerful, and so they don't want to do anything to challenge that from happening because it's their own greed that drives them to assist him to a certain extent mm. in many what, cases. What as they're well. going to gain from it, but yeah. yeah, after the first couple of. People had said, you know, there is Wheaton's Law well behind you um, and got killed for their trouble, then people probably would stop. A, a real life case of this. So Saddam Hussein got his chiefs into a meeting uh, prior to the first Gulf War and said, should we do this? And they all said, yes, whatever you say, sir. Uh, one of them said no, and he had him executed. Yeah, that that's is actually that's kind of, a proven thing. That's kind of what I was going to say is that if, even if. Voldemort had had his own Hermione, had had somebody who would go in and tell and give him this advice and give him smack the, him on the head whenever he said he was the chosen one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he he would he would at best disregard it because it wouldn't be important to him because it's not relevant to his interests, and at worst he'd just kill him. Yeah. Ironically, I was just thinking that the, the smartest person that he had at his disposal, Severus Snape, <laughs> yeah. is undoing. At the, at the one point when Severus said, please don't kill Lily, he should have gone, um, you know what, since it's a binary choice between this guy and this guy over here, this long bottom kid, how about I go kill the long bottom one and you can have Lily, whatever. But, and, but yeah. again, uh, and, and the reason Voldemort doesn't see that what he's done to uh, Lily w- would cause Snape to turn was because he believed that the draw of being one of Voldemort's chosen few if you like as the Death Eaters was far more important than love over some silly woman who was not a Death Eater you know he couldn't even comprehend and more than that was a mudblood yeah Yeah, he he interpreted it as Snape desiring her so there's plenty more fish in the sea Slytherin fish as soon as she's dead so yeah He, he, he couldn't interpret that kind of devotion in July this is still 1997 Voldemort and his Death Eaters infiltrate the Ministry of Magic. They ambush Potter and his friends as Harry is being moved prior to his birthday on a tip-off from Snape to garner still more trust. Voldemort and Harry duel in mid-air. Harry's wand overcomes Voldemort's, which has been procured from Malfoy. Mad-Eye Moody and Hedwig are killed in the fray. Harry, Ron and Hermione retrieve the real locket from the Ministry. In 1998, Harry, Ron and Hermione managed to destroy the locket. Dobby the house elf dies, rescuing them from torture and death at the hands of Lestrange and Tom. In that struggle, Harry beats Draco Malfoy and wins his enemy's wand. Tom desecrates Dumbledore's tomb and steals the Elder Wand from his body, believing that its legendary power will beat any magic Harry can muster. After infiltrating the Ministry, Gringotts and Hogwarts, Harry, Ron and Hermione destroy the cup and the diadem, leaving only the snake, Tom himself and Harry. The Battle of Hogwarts commences. Fred Weasley, Grimus Lupin, Nymphadora Tonks, Lavender Brown, Vincent Crabbe, Colin Creevy and Severus Snape, amongst others, are killed. To prevent further death and harm to everyone else, and because he is now aware of his proto-Horcrux status, 
Harry willingly gives himself up to Voldemort. In using Avada Kedavra, Tom severs their connection but leaves the boy unharmed and feigning death. Back at the castle, Neville Longbottom kills Nagini and Harry duels Tom. The fact that Harry bested Draco and Draco disarmed Dumbledore changes the allegiance of the Elder Wand and Voldemort is disarmed and dies when his killing curse rebounds once again, destroying his physical form and banishing his essence to limbo. You've been listening to Digital Gonzo and the History of Hogwarts. I've been Alex Shaw. And be sure to be back here in a few days' time for the final part of the movie review series. May I thank my guests, James, Leah, Sharon, Jake and Daniel, for sitting very patiently while I picked through all of that, and for their tireless performance in the epic show we have lined up for you. See you very soon, and Expelliarmus!